You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast may contain adult language, conversations surrounding adult situations that may not be suitable for younger listeners, as well as spoilers for the films discussed on this podcast. You have been warned. Now, come on in. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 108, <laughs> motherfuckers. Full in the swing of November, we've got some uh, pretty impressive films to talk about in November, so uh, we're starting this off here. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Wrath of God himself, Paul Romali. How are you doing, sir? Hello, good sir. Hello, hello. If I want the whores in the streets to die, they will die. They will die. They, they'll <laughs> fall from the trees, yeah. Yep. Onto my dick, baby. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God from 1972. But before we get to that, we'll get to a little bit of house cleaning here first. Uh, we, we just have two really quick comments from YouTube versions of our uh, They Must Be Destroyed on Site episodes. Someone called Gerbil Flurp. Great name. On our episode about the conversation and night moves said, nice discussion on night moves, guys. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. Gerbil uh, flurp. Is that kind of like a, when she's trying to tell you she loves it after a big mouthful of cum or something like that? That, that sounds like the sound that would be made, wouldn't it? Well, not? Gerbil yeah. flurp. Oh, well, 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 well. <laughs> oh, uh, And Eric Nelson commented on our episode about Violent City. He said, uh, Violent City, very underrated movie made before Bronson and Telly Savalas became household names. Oh, and that delicious score. Yes, indeed. Great film. Great performances. The score from that film is one of my all-time favorites. I have it. I have it on my fucking MP3 player all the time. So, so uh, Paul, uh, is is there anything you've watched in the last little while, or anything you purchased that you want to talk about? Or I just got this massive box that I was at Walmart and saw it, and it has basically all the classic horror movie people, the big names, you know, and just another movie set with same rehash idea of basically all those box, those big boxes for a dollar. Right. Those, you know, but. I just uh, wetted my whistle last night with The House on Haunted Hill and uh, The Last Man on Earth again, which is Last Man on Earth is still an amazing film. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't beat Vincent Price in that film. Mm-mm. Yeah, and then I got this massive Toho collection Godzilla box set that was like 80 bucks. Nice. I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but this is happening. <laughs> well, I think I think we should do some fucking like, Godzilla shit at some point on the podcast, so... Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be good stuff to have in in your library for future episodes. Absolutely, not not nineteen ninety nine. We don't uh, we don't talk no, about no. That <laughs> or eight or nine. What what whenever the fuck that uh, Brendan? I think it was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it was uh, it was, uh, yeah. It was, uh, that uh, Brendan Fraser one. Yeah, no one wants Matthew. To it was no, it was a Matthew Broderick one. Matthew, yeah, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, it wasn't Encino Man. It was Ferris Bueller. But they're both kind of the same to me. 
I like I like those original films. The the funny thing I think think about now is that the Japanese incorporated the Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick film in the in, in, in final in Final Wars or whatever. Yeah. Final, yeah, yeah. They they brought it back and had its ass kicked. Damn right, like a motherfucker! Quickly. What did you What did you expect from a big le, le, iguana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But the mm-hmm. real Godzilla kicked its fucking ass. Yeah, I like it. Absolutely fucking beautiful. For me, the only thing I've really watched of note to talk about is um, there's this Ethan Hawke film that came out uh, recently. I don't even know it's released. I, I just saw it on fucking Put Locker, so I watched it. But uh, it's called 24 Hours to Live. It's kind of an action movie with a kind of a slightly sci-fi bent. It's basically... Ethan Hawke's this piece of shit fucking hitman who uh, fails in his latest job and is killed, but he's brought back to life by the company that employs him through like basically sci-fi drugs that revive his mm-hmm. body for 24 hours. And it's handy, too, because you get that he's alive for 24 hours because there's actually a clock implanted into his wrist telling him how long he has left so very convenient they, they couldn't just give him a watch you just happen to no. have a clock well well well, here, well here's the funny thing it's like his his uh his employers never gave a fuck whether he lived or died and there was no reason for them to actually implant the clock into his wrist because all mm-hmm. they wanted to do is revive him and get some information from him and then mm-hmm. after that, they were going to kill him anyway. Right. So it's just, it's just a really <clears throat> stupid plot device. At the same time, it's actually pretty entertaining. It's like it's a competent action film. A lot of great action scenes. A lot of mercenaries just being killed by Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke looks like a cross between Nick Nolte and Tom Cruise at this point. Like the way he's aging. I almost thought he was Nick Nolte in some scenes, you know? Nah, God, Jesus. Goddamn clock. God. Like it's it's that close. It's, it's that close for him at this point. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it was surprisingly pretty good. It, it just has this weird kind of like little sci-fi bent into it that made it entertaining. So when you it's first worth started talking out. about it, it just reminded me of Dead Heat with Joe Piscopo. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of like that in some ways. I, I would agree. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> ah! Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sun Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder.
Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses all things Grindhouse, Exploitation, Drive-In, and B-Movies. Your three hosts, Mike. We're, we're going to discuss the Renee Martinez-directed picture, the $6,000. What? Time, Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the name of the Super movie. First soul, that's, brother. That's the name. When you that's start the movie. Your DVD cover. When you start the movie, the first thing that comes up says. is the title, and it says $6,000. Mark. And I've been around a girl stroking a horse's dick somehow somewhere down the line i'm gonna use that clip against you (laughs) please do and listener favorite iris the deployment sock and i'm like deployment sock the fuck is a deployment sock he goes you know that sock that you just use oh my god you guys are so gross (laughs) see so it happens for real people do come inside we'll make you question your political correctness while laughing at theirs episodes drop sunday and can be found by searching for bb and bc podcast via itunes lipson stitcher google play music and everywhere else you can download quality podcasts from you can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at bbnbcpodcast.com. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable! At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything you, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sion.
All right, so uh, we should just move right on to the fucking movie we're going to talk about now, and uh, we're going to be looking at Aguirre, The Wrath of God from 1972. Towards the end of the year 1560, following the conquest of Peru, a few Spanish adventurers undertake the boldest mission of their lives. With 1,100 men, two women, captive Indians, and animals... They descend from the Andes down into the steaming primeval forests where the waters of the Amazon begin. In quest of El Dorado, the fabled city of gold. But the forest swallows them up. Its secret is preserved. I know exactly what you intend to do to Ursua. Every last detail. And God will punish you for it. Written and directed by Werner Herzog, uh, starring Klaus Kinski as Don Lope de Aguirre, uh, Helena Rojo as Inez, Del Negro as Brother Gaspar de Carvajal, uh, Rai Guerrera as Don Pedro de Urza, Peter Burling as Don Fernando de Guzman, Cecilio Rivera as Flores, 
Daniel Erdes as uh, Perchulo, Edward Rolando as Okello, and Armando Polana as Armando. And uh, I'll just go to a very quick IMDb synopsis here. This is from Jesus Christ. I don't even want to pronounce this guy's last name. It's I, I think it's I think it's gr- Greek of s- some sort. Uh, it's Chris Chris Macrozahapolius. Mm-hmm. I, I think. There you uh, go. Either either way, if if your IMDb mm-hmm. synopsis is good, we'll we'll Mac, forgive your name. Otherwise, Mac, Mac Daddy, my rose got polio. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll fuck you. Um, <laughs> A few decades after the destruction of the Inca Empire, a Spanish expedition leaves the mountains of Peru and goes down the Amazon River in search of gold and wealth. Soon, they come across great difficulties, and Don Aguirre, a ruthless man who cares only about riches, becomes their leader. But will his quest lead him to the Golden City, El Dorado, or to certain destruction? Eh, that kind of covers the plot of this. Uh, uh, well, I, I think we'll get into it, uh, whether there's really much of a plot in this film at all or not. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I'm very glad that you kind of said that, because I was like, what is this film about? What happened? Like, <laughs> uh, but uh, there you go, Chris. Uh, good synopsis, sir. So you're not Thanks, one of those. Uh, you're not one of those IMDb fucking retards. Uh, so this is your first time watching this, I assume, Paul? Yep. Yep. So uh, actually, uh, the first time I watched it with the first link that you gave that was English, I don't know if you watched that one, mm-hmm. but it literally s- repeats itself like scenes over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, really? So the the one thirty a uh, one hour and thirty nine minute film was probably only twenty minutes long, but it just kept <laughs> repeating itself Uh-oh. different scenes. So then I had to like I t- I couldn't take any more, and then I went and watched it in a German. Right on. So I okay. lost probably a lot of the the nuances of language, but uh... nah, we'll, we'll see. But um, so so, what's your sort of just sort of initial impression on this one? It was beautiful, epic, careless, and dangerous. <laughs> Can I just right if, if you know what I mean? Like if if you look at the even just the first shots in the movie, I'm like, oh my god, that's beautiful, that's crazy, they're stupid. I'm surprised more people didn't die. Yeah, yeah, no one actually died on this production, but you would be surprised to, to hear that because they had no stuntmen. Everything you see in this film, all the dangerous shit you see in this film was the actual actors and the extras doing that shit. So, like, when you watch them, the initial shots, which are really fucking beautiful, where yes. they're just going down the Andes <coughs> like ants, like in a fucking trail because it's it, the the shot is so high up watching them there there's no real defined paths that they're going down there like uh i, I think the paths were you know like ancient like uh inca mayan you know kind of paths or whatever that were going down there so th- there was paths but they were super fucking dangerous and slippery at this point today you know because it's much more of a tourist destination there's real paths there. Well, yeah. Probably, probably handrails, I would assume. Yeah. With but, a shrubbery. Yeah. But you, you had a production here where uh, there was only eight people in the crew, and then the rest were all actors and extras, and you saw mm-hmm. the majority of them in that shot, and you're trying to basically get 400 people down the fucking Andes. And in, one in, person starts slipping and falling. Yeah. 
and and it you, just it, terrified me. Domino sure. effect is yeah, kind of... and it was in the mist, like they were walking, like they say, they're sending down from the clouds. All that was wet. Yeah, and apparently Werner Herzog had to convince them to do it that day. No one wanted to apparently do it, but he convinced them to uh, to shoot on that day. Uh, that that was one of the rare days, I guess, where the mist wasn't super bad. But mm-hmm. for the most part, the narration goes about how they descended from from the clouds, and that's legit. The the Andes are that high up where mm-hmm. you're coming down through the mist, and you see the jungle, and everything is fucking wet and just moist and humid and. That's why yeah, they call it the rainforest, baby. Absolutely fucking beautiful shots. The coolest thing about the production of this one is it's such a hands-on, do-it-yourself production because mm-hmm. they they actually, when they get finally get to the river and they get on the rafts, it wasn't a fucking studio thing where you could shoot stuff in like sound stages and shit like that. They shot everything on the river and they basically uh, followed the movie in a linear fashion, so... Uh, the the crew is always on rafts shooting. Uh, they're going through the story and going down the river as the actual story is going down the river. So the crew that's shooting is always in the same amount of danger, basically, mm-hmm. as all the actors and no actresses. absolute zero guarantee a, a raft won't capsize. Zero yeah. guarantee that won't someone won't fall over and drown. Mm-hmm. Zero guarantee they won't get mal- malaria or dysentery. Or it's so insane. This film is just so insane. And the thing about it is, there's these epically beautiful shots, but at the same time, you get this handheld camera feel to all of some of the shots too. But it's still yeah. very it has this breath to it that you can't really capture in other films. Yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of you could compare this to movies that are shot in Australia, where uh, the idea is that. Man Against Nature. Australia is incredibly desolate and incredibly beautiful at the same time. And there's just this kind of sense that man probably shouldn't be in certain places in Australia. It's just so oppressive and isolated. It's just inevitable that it's going to destroy anyone who walks in there. And you kind of get the same feeling with this when you're, you're seeing the scenery here. Like, everything's very lush and green and just, the people feel like they're walled in. Like, it feels very claustrophobic. Yeah, it really does. And I I, I think Werner Herzog does like just a really great job of expressing that especially and and you mentioned the handheld cameras they're on the actual rafts i think this is one of the best movies for putting the the actual viewer of the movie right in the shoes of someone who would be sitting on one of those rafts you get really get the feel that you're kind of there with those people and that's kind of the strength of Werner herzog because he's actually a very accomplished documentary film filmmaker this feels almost like if someone had a video camera back in the 1500s filming mm-hmm. this actual expedition and they're they're on the raft. It feels like you're right there in the action. Absolutely. I would go with that 100%. It was even nice to see the one scene, as I said, that kind of really home, home video camcorder, but yet still well, well done. The guy playing with the butterfly on his finger. Right. Like that kind of just, it's so crazy. Just that little shot. And it has that... And it does have that kind of weird 70s feel to it. I got like reminiscence of some of the classics that we enjoy from the 70s in that in that shot too. That, that yeah, there, quality. there's a lot of quirky shots here because uh, I, I think the big thing to, to mention here is that like if you go into this film, don't expect like a big narrative. There, there is a story, there are characters, but they're very much pushed 
aside for for a lot of this. It's much more about the visuals. And really, as as the sort of their journey goes on, it it just keeps breaking off into these weird moments, like these weird shots, like you, you mentioned the butterfly thing. It's just it's just out of the blue. You get these long shots and characters just staring off in the distance. You get several shots of Klaus Kinski with that pipe player. Uh, the, mm. the, the the pan flute player. There's no context for it. Like it, it doesn't mean anything to the story. But Klaus Kinski is just like sort of staring off in the space, and this uh, pan flute player who was a local guy they hired who was mentally disabled, but you know enthusiastic to be on the production. Um, and he honestly is not that good of a fucking pan flute player. Like he's he's pretty little, bad. Little, little little soft on the breath. A little soft, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's just that weird combination of those two things. It just makes a stamp on your fucking mind. Like, man, there's weird shit going on here. It's slightly humorous, too. Like, there's there's humor kind of flowing through this. But at the same time, it's just kind of weird. And underneath it, it's kind of fucking scary, too. Because as they go down the river, they're slowly being picked off by the different native tribes down the river. Like... They're they're seeing these these white devils basically going down on their rafts down the fucking Amazon, and as they move into every new sort of twist and turn of the Amazon, they're slowly getting picked off. But well, just they hit the, the dark. Uh, the, the, they they hit the first unmanned camp that was on fire. Found out it was a cannibal mm-hmm. camp that Spaniards yep. have been eaten at, and then later down the uh, the river. They hear the people yelling, and they said, what are they yelling? It says, fresh meat is going past us. Fresh yeah. meat is going past us. I'm like, well, that's a feeling. And they're being driven on in this claustrophobic, backstabby world by a sociopath that they can't seem to shake. Mm-hmm. Klaus Kinski's performance here, he, he just dominates everything. Uh, again, like I said, not much of a plot, not many characters. It, it's much more just about Klaus Kinski as Aguirre. He's kind of the central thing of this, like the central anchor to it. And he dominates not only as, as a character in the in, in the actual story, he just dominates as a fucking actor. Like he, he's just all over the film. And he, the, the, he gives he can give he gives this film menace at every mm-hmm. angle. They let the horse go. Mm-hmm. And like for and then He's just staring at the horse as it's going away. And for some reason, you get this weird, menacing feel of, is he happy that the horse got away? Is he? I just like, was like I am. And then he went to his daughter just to let her know that the horse is going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah. you have so many angles in this that I can't grasp right now. I'm like, are you, you that's, love that's your a... daughter, but you're a freako? And yeah. Yeah, that's a weird haunting scene, too, because and the horse has one of those fucking hoods on its head, too, that, you mm-hmm. know, like one of those ceremonial hoods or whatever the fuck. Oh, the the, the, the uh, tombs of the blind dead horses. Yeah, really. <laughs> and it, it, it's just freaky as fuck. Like, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make sense in a standard kind of narrative context, but it's, that's, it's kind of ghostly and, and just kind of spooky, like seeing the horse as you drift away and it's look peering out from the jungle, looking at them. Um, mm. and then in previous to that, uh, Klaus Kinski, get out of my way, get out of my way, scares the fucking horse down to its fucking knees. Yeah. They actually had, to, they actually had to tranquilize the horse. And apparently they knew the exact point when the horse was about to drop. And they started the scene when, when they did that, uh, just, just so they could get the right reaction. And, have Klaus Kinski scared the horse down to its knees or whatever, but uh, yeah, you can't do that anymore. You got to CGI the horse. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think we'll get into animal abuse a little bit more here later, but <laughs> yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of great stuff here. Like, the narrative is not super strong, but it does make a point of criticizing certain things as well. There's a character here who is of royalty. There's the Duke who uh, Klaus Kinski as Aguirre basically uses him as a puppet kind of like emperor. The governor or something like that, or the emperor. Or, yeah, what do you ever say? Yeah, that? yeah. Yeah, he was a duke, and he appoints him like fucking uh, yeah. a lord of or emperor of Peru or some mm. shit like that, you know, because uh, they're rebelling against the Spanish crown. Basically, um, he's the lord of the privies. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he he he's presented as this loutish, lazy, foolish guy who's always taking shits. Basically, like mm. <laughs> later on in the film, it's established that he likes to take shits. Basically, uh, basically and, what I got is that he they basically died of dysentery. Uh, no, he was strangled to death. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Um, dead fat shit, 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 dead. Yeah. I'm and, like, okay, and, what happened? And he's pretty much the only guy who's able to take shits because no one else is eating anything at that point. Yeah. I saw film. something white on his chest for a second, but I wasn't sure what it was. I don't like, was it toilet paper? Because he's taking so many shits. I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it was a homemade garage. It was it was one of those ones where you, you take the cloth and you you put a stick in it. Oh, and okay. Then you, and then you, you twist just, the stick. Yeah, you twist you. the stick and strangle yeah, it. Right? I, for second girlfriend, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, so he's the royalty he's lazy and foolish the clergyman in this is presented as this cowardly racist piece of shit yeah uh, who's uh, only that interested that brings, in gold brings more death than anything else yeah he's he's only yeah. interested in gold the soldiers are for the most part pretty cruel and devious like they're always trying to plot and they're going to figure for a while you know because hey he's the strongest right now or whatever but you know there's always guys kind of plotting and eh, maybe i can get away with this this has one of the che- cheesiest cheapest but best decapitations i've ever seen it's so good isn't it yeah yeah and then when he said when he has to count to 10 and on the the, the 10 his head's on the other side and i'm like oh that's awesome Okay, you got no vocal cords, so technically that can't work anymore. I mean, if you but... would have just mouthed ten, it would have been more accurate. But at the same time, still awesome. Yeah, but I mean, the, this whole movie at the same time, it's it's kind of a, almost uh, it becomes like a fever dream kind of thing where the narrative isn't necessarily real anymore. It kind of mm-hmm. gets surreal, so <coughs> I, I let it slide. And just because it it's done so well, like the, mm-hmm. the cut and the head uh, cut to the head goes really good and it's it's pretty much flawless right and also so the soldiers like i said they're cruel and devious the slaves the native slaves and the women are just kind of stuck yeah they they, 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 they can't do anything i mean one one of the slaves is he he says like he's still one of the few slave characters that actually gets to talk he actually talks about how he was once basically an, an incan prince mm-hmm and and now he's forced to be a slave, and uh, he's basically low, and all of his people are brought down, and and, and all the Spanish, they, like they they treat the the Incans, and they they have some black slaves too in this, like where, right. wherever they acquired them from, somewhere in Africa, I imagine. The last, yeah, and he has he he definitely the English version. He just sounds like he's from you know North Philly. 
Like, I don't yeah. know, okay, what's the accent on that? I didn't expect that. I was like, I thought it was like he'd have a little bit more like an accent or something, but no, there you go. And it's interesting because they actually shot this and they, they filmed it uh, with English dialogue uh, initially. Like the, the main track on this, everyone's speaking English on this. Yeah. Uh, and when you get to the uh, German version that was ev- eventually done, Klaus Kinski demanded more money for showing up to read his part. So they're like, fuck you. And they got some other guy to do his voice. So if you, if you listen to the German vo- version, you're not hearing Klaus Kinski at all. And actually, I, th- I think the German version actually sounds a bit better. Like the English version is a little off here and there, but that's just personal preference here. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Well, what do you think about Kinski's acting in this? Because he's definitely the standout character in this, and he, he gives mm-hmm. like this really big physical performance. But I like what what is it with he he leans to his right the whole time, kind of mm-hmm. leaning and a little bit out. I don't know, and he just kind of leans well, the whole time. Well, well, here's the thing. Initially, they had uh, envisioned that he was going to have a hump on his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they basically decided not to do that, and they decided that I guess. Technically, he's maybe wounded in some way from a previous battle or something along those lines. Much might be one of the reasons why he was put second in command, which really he hated. Yeah, and so Kinski just basically developed this. It wasn't so much by design. Werner Herzog, when he wrote this script, he wrote it in two and a half days. Uh, He did not do a lot of historical fucking research on this or anything like that, so it's mostly just fiction. And also, funny story here, when he was writing it, apparently he was with, I guess guess he was part of a soccer team, and they were on a bus, and they got super drunk, and one of his teammates puked on half the script, so he had to throw several pages out, and he basically just kept what he he had that was salvageable, and that was basically the script for this film. But, uh, so, yeah, Klaus Kinski got, like, a lot of room to develop his character here. So he's got this weird... Uh, leaning walk that's almost kind of like crab-like or tarantula-like or something along those lines, you know? But like, it, it, it adds to his off character at the right, same cause, time. Right, like, because he, he's walking like a crab, but he's looking around. Like, he, he, he walks in the frame uh, several times in this film, and he looks around like he's a fucking bird or a lizard or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah, always always moving his head and neck and looking around and just kind of... And his neck is never going where his eyes are going. It's always right. a different direction. And it's and he just gives this unease to the whole scene. Klaus Kinski, a crazy person, legit a fucking crazy person. And hard um, to work with. Yeah, and terrible to work with. And this was the first time Kinski and Herzog collaborated together. They did five films together. This was the first one they did. He had a lot of problems on set. Uh, He scared, legit, the majority of the cast uh, with his antics. Uh, There there was one point where apparently um, during one of the nights, some of the, the crew or the extras were playing music too loud. He legit uh, shot gunfire into their tent to to stop them from fucking playing music. Uh, blew the tip off of one person's finger. There was an, an incident during shooting. Uh, it, it's the scene where they uh, attack the uh, the village that's on fire, I believe. And they run up there and he hits one of the conquistadors on the head with his sword. If that guy had not been wearing a helmet, he legit probably would have had his skull split open. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how hard he hit him. Uh, he, he hit him, indented the helmet, and drew blood, apparently. Under the helmet. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Kinski was uh, <laughs> typical kind of Kinski here, being very unwieldy, irrational, breaking out. Yeah, he started um, smacking the guys when they were trying to eat food instead of right. find the Indians. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Herzog uh, basically. Herzog knew Kinski before this. Uh, he had roomed with him for a little while before this and was re- sort of familiar with his outbursts and shit like that and how to kind of use him. Basically, what he did is wait for Kinski to burn himself out. He he let Kinski rant and rave on set for a long time until he was so burned out. And then he hit the cameras and started filming to try to get... So when when you watch Kinski performing here, a lot of his stuff is just him staring and making weird faces and being much more drawn back. And there's only a few real outbursts here from the character. And that's mainly because he was just so exhausted and tired. And and those were the takes that Herzog was, was going for here to like to get him oh, more I reserved. Like, I like when Herzog, cause Herzog in the film, um, not Herzog, close Kinski, um, the wrath of God. Uh, he has um, his stooge, and yeah. he, just, he just whispers to the stooge his orders. And yeah. like he doesn't need to have an outburst because he'll have a stooge take care of it. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that he was dead He was dead set against helping the stranded raft. Yeah. And so the leader, well, you're not in charge, buddy. You know, that, that kind of attitude um, started getting people around to save the raft. And while they were doing that, he just fucking blew the fucking raft up on the other side of the thing. Yeah. He didn't do it, of course. He just had his stooge do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the weird thing. It's like some of these incidents it's just implied what's happened. Like you don't necessarily hundred percent know. Like I think it feels pretty obvious that he sent somebody over there to kill those people in the raft. Uh you, you could kind of think maybe it's the natives, but it doesn't feel right because you look at the bodies afterwards that they show on the raft, there's a shot right down on the raft. And there's no arrows in any of those people. Mm-mm. So so it's. I think it's pretty obvious that they were all shot. Yeah, so you sort of, you have to unravel plot points from this because they, again, it's not super strong on story. It's much more of a kind of a mood piece. It's much more about everybody on this expedition just unraveling in their fucking minds and going crazy. Yeah, and and, and the only will stronger than Herzog's was the, the, the betrothed wife. Of the the first captain, you mean Kinski? Uh, uh, Kinski, sorry, yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 she was the only person stronger than he was. Yeah, and then she she realizes quickly the madness of the whole thing and just walks off in the fucking jungle. You know what? And I like that kind of. You know what? Fuck you! I'm out of here. I'll deal with the cannibals. Yeah, yeah. She just she just walks off. as like uh, getting eaten by cannibals. It, it's is uh, it, it, it it's well. If you look at it in that sense, it doesn't remind me of it. But it reminds me of the end of Ravenous, where uh, where she's like, you know what, I'm out, I gotta mm-hmm. go, and she just goes. Martha's just gone. I'm out of here. Fuck you guys. I'm dealing with the wolves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Smartest character. This this, in that film. Uh, this this film reminds me a lot of the film that came out in 2007 or something. It's called or 2001. It's called Severed Ways. A Viking. It's like a black a bunch of black metal kids made it. Well, yeah. It's about about uh, the Vikings settling um, North America and then and then being all basically killed. Oh yeah, uh, there, there's another one that was released a few years ago by the uh, same guy who did uh, Drive. It's called Valhalla Rising. Yes, I've seen that one as well. Yeah, and and that one's very similar. 
to this mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It, it, yes. It, it's, it's got that very uh, surreal dreamlike quality to it and a very like kind of doomed expedition from the start kind of feel. I mean, there's, there's more going on with that because there's allusions to the main character being like some sort of representation of Odin on Earth and shit. Yeah. yeah, and I love it but, in the film where he ties the guy, his first victim to the rock, and then slices his guts out and then picks him up yeah. when he's still alive and drops him on the ground. Yeah. Because they yeah. used to do gut, you know, inter- entrail readings and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just like, that's awesome. Very good film, yes. Yeah, we got to fucking do that film too at some point. Well, we'll do both yeah, at the same time, maybe. See what they think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this film, to me, has a thing I was looking forward to it, and it wasn't in there. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the urban legend of films or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you can shine light on this. I was always told there's a scene in the film where they're pulling a boat up a mountain, and then when the boat goes down the other side, and this was supposed to be on film, like people in the crew, I like, got killed. That that's that is told. that that is uh, Fitz Colorado. That's uh, that's a later film that that he did. Okay, and I don't remember. Right. I don't remember anyone being killed on that production. But uh, they actually did again with with Werner Herzog. His his the way he does filmmaking is very visceral and just right right on the point. Like actually do it yourself. Uh, actually do the things that are actually happening in the film that you're mm-hmm. you're basically depicting. They actually built a ship and they actually did move it over a fucking mountain okay. uh, for the production of that film. But I'd, I'd have to go back and look at uh, details, but I don't remember anyone actually being killed on that production, but it, it was a hard production, just like this right. film was. Well, at the end of the film, you see the, they, were ha- they thought they were having hallucinations, and you see the mm-hmm. boat up in the, uh, in the tree, and I'm like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's just how they got that boat up in the tree, because I, I don't know any of the backstory about the boat in the tree either, but it's a great shot. Uh, well... A uh, funny thing about that is that was a missing part from the from the script that they basically cut out where there there was this initial kind of thing where they were going to find an earlier expedition and they were going to find all the skeletons and shit from that earlier expedition mm-hmm. and they were going to find one of the boats and it was going to be stuck in a tree but they decided to instead incorporate that into sort of the hallucinations of the crew basically right. oh I'm seeing this weird shit all of a sudden and but they actually did build a fucking yeah. mock-up boat in the tree. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't a full boat. I assume it was just one half of a boat. Right, yes. They sourced various Amazon native tribes as their workers and their extras and all that. So right. they had, they had I think, like a, a hundred or so Amazonian natives build that mock-up of the boat and stick it up on that tree. Every, everything you see there, like, it's there. Right. So right. yeah, and, and it's a beautiful shot. Like it's just weird because you know you you see that black slave and he goes, "I see a boat and there's a canoe hanging from it." And then the the priest goes, "No, it's all illusion. <coughs> nothing nothing you see is real." And then later on, he gets an arrow in his leg. Yeah, this arrow is not real. Yeah, that, the boat's not real. This cannon, this arrow, it's not real. And then he's just like, "You fools! It is real." You know, hey, <laughs> it's real. Get down, shoot, boom! Like always, a cannon always ready to fire, no matter what. It yeah, always, it's, it's weird. It's it's weird. You get to the end, and uh, Gire is actually kind of the sanest guy on the entire fucking boat because mm-hmm. at least he knows it's reality. Uh, yeah, you can't crack somebody's cracked. You know, like, he's already done. He was on there. He was, he was there already. He was dealing with it. Yeah. And and actually, it's really interesting when you actually see the priest trying to kill Agira. Yeah. He, 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 he gets hit with the arrow and then finally he's had it and he's trying to hit him with the sword. 
and, and you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, and Aguirre just steps on his arm and goes, "Well, you better pray. <laughs> you better pray, basically, <laughs> that your God's merciful or whatever, because you're fucked." <laughs> yeah, especially as he, after he just had the two uh, almost naked help his natives who he stole from, mm-hmm. and then just had killed. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's an interesting scene. Like that just kind of adds to the the Catholic Church in in. Uh, and um, Greg, by the way, you get some nice rainforest titties. Yeah, well, nice. Oh, there you is, go. Shout out, Greg. Nice is debatable. no. They're for Greg. They're titties. It's gonna be okay. Nice. Well, there you go. But yeah, it's National Geographic style, right there. Um, hey, hey, that's what I grew up on. We're good. <laughs> kind of strengthens the Catholic Church being really just corrupt and oppressive and, mm-hmm. and disgusting. This this guy, he's all about gold. He's all about fame, and he's a turncoat and a coward, and. Aguirre finally has no use for him anymore and just steps on his arm and lets him die. Basically. I love the fact that Aguirre is very self-aware of what's going on. And he says to the to the priest, um, mocking him, because he knows what's going on. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. don't you want a big old golden cross with jewels and everything? And so that little silver one that he had lost. And you get to see the, the, the face of the priest when he turns around and just stands there like, that bastard knows I'm right. You know, like he knows yeah, I'm right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to correct you there, though. That's not Aguirre. That's uh... oh, was that Aguirre? Uh, that was the emperor. That was the emperor. Yeah, that's the guy. That's I, I'm the guy sorry, he pointed. I fucked up. But I love the fact that like he, that face he points, like God, they're right, motherfucker. How do yeah, they know? Right. I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I know. How what... do they know? Yeah, it's like because <laughs> well, you're really obvious. You're really yeah. obvious. <laughs> It's 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 really good. Like it's weird because it doesn't feel like a big character film, but there's so many great character moments in it at the same time. But but it's mostly just driven by the journey and just how it devolves. But at the same time, everybody in it's really good. Like it's, yeah. it's just really well acted. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go back to a good emperor moment when he's getting a hard on about all this to the left and all this to the right and all this. It's all ours now. It's and it's like six times bigger than Spain. And we, and the more we go down the river, the bigger it gets. And Aguirre comes in and goes, um, do you have any l- proof of land at all to back that up? <laughs> all we see yeah. is water and trees. So, you know, have at it, asshole. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it, I mean, at, at that point they're on the Amazon where the tides are really high. So it, it's actually, uh, when they're going down those rafts, like, uh, again, like, like we talked about how they were basically shooting most of the stuff from the rafts and actually living on the rafts themselves as they were shooting. Mm-hmm. There were, there was no place they could actually land for the most part because mm-hmm. the majority of the high tides on the fucking Amazon were, would, would flood out over the ground, you know, like a mile or more each, each way. So as soon as you hit any side where the shore used to be, it was just trees and all the ground was water. So Right. And I know there, there are certain places in the Amazon where they don't have large caiman. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if they researched that first, but you don't see any in the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've never heard any problems with that. But uh, there are places, subtle places where they aren't at. So I'm sure they did a little research. Like, we need to film and do a lot in the river. Don't go here. You know, like one of those. <laughs> this part, no, 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 no. That part, yeah, okay. One of those kind of deals. But there is. Yeah, a and, and you, you know what, uh, Werner Herzog, I kind of doubt he gave a shit. Honestly, yeah. I think well, I think they just got lucky. <laughs> yeah, we might just got lucky on that one, big boy. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, uh, the funny thing is uh, you would expect a lot of these people would have gotten a malaria or something sh- that, you know, doing this journey. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody on this production got any diseases except for apparently one person. Oh, I was gonna uh, say uh, nobody got the shits at least. One person got herpes, I believe. Well, yeah, but I mean that was on on purpose. Or or hepatitis, one or the other. I can't remember which one it was. But everyone else was uh, the only thing they might have got was maybe like uh, fever or just kind of general dysentery or something like that. But but yeah. none of the none of the normal like uh, tropical diseases you would expect them to get. See, I was gonna say you can get herpes or hepatitis if you film almost anywhere in America anymore. So hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Werner Herzog uh, at one point he cut into a tree for some reason and got like just this massive amount of fire ants j- dropped on him and bit him. He got like bit 150 times and had like a. Bad, yeah, had a bad fever from that. Uh, apparently, he was bitten by the monkeys in the final scene, and, and uh, we'll get more to uh, the acquisition of the monkeys here when we get to the trivia. But uh, damn, damn, those damn macaques! Yeah, biting me. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's your sort of overall final thoughts on this one, though, uh, Paul? I like the film overall. I watched the film, going, "What is the fucking point of this film?" A couple times because yeah. it just goes on and you know it's not going to have a real ending at all. And it's just, uh, well, I mean, it's it's the reality of blind optimism. It's the Donner Party in river form. It's those little things that, you know, yeah, it's a dream. It's fake. It's bullshit. And you're only got, you're, the only reason you're going is greed and you're going to fail. Yeah, and that's what happens, you know. And that's uh, it's manifest destiny. West the, the expansion. That's what it is, and it yeah. happened back in you know, with them, and then it happened in America, and all this jazz, and a lot of those people ended up dead. And this is just <laughs> another example of that. And uh, but overall, the film is good. The overall, the knowing how the film is going to end before you watch it, though, gives it a very dark aura as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, especially at the point when inside when you uh, when they say. Uh, uh, the men are so sick. The one thought it was uh, ink was medicine. Yeah, ink was it. medicine. You drank it. Yeah. Yeah. So I cannot write it anymore after this. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're definitely dead soon. Like, yeah, you, it was like you, one of those kind of things. Yeah, you know, all these people are fucked. Aguirre just leads them to death. There's no possible return from what they're doing. And and oh. the sad thing is, I think there is a. I do have this feeling that connection where he leave his daughter for a, re- a good reason. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he doomed his daughter to death. If you know what I mean, I, it was yeah. one of, if, if if I have to leave the world, she has to leave the world with me. Kind of a vibe. Mm-hmm. But yet he does love her. He ha- yeah he has he has this weird pr- pos- possessive and and slightly incestuous kind of relationship with her. Where especially at the end, where he's fully full on crazy, and he says, "I'm going to." Uh, Sex with my daughter. We're gonna have like pure offspring and a new di- dynasty of uh, yeah. pure nobles to rule the world and shit. It's like right. he's just full, finally just like gone off his fucking nut at that point. One thing I am shocked by: there is no rape in the film. No, no, because there were chances for rape in the film and it didn't mm. happen. I'm like, you know what? That's pretty classy. I couldn't be that classy. You know what I mean? Like, there you go. So. Although, although I would have voted for some Cannibal Furox style shit going yeah, on. Yeah, that would be okay. And the one thing as I liked is they didn't cut, cut up a sea turtle because I don't know. Again, classy. Yeah, no. The only thing I wanted to see was that uh, pan flute player get like eaten, like yeah. by, by bisected and eaten. That that would yeah, have been fun by but... another tribe. 
Yeah, yeah. it's like a little cut open. And while he's still playing his flute, that'd be great. Maybe you can actually blow it correctly then. <laughs> you get your guts ripped out. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was fun. I think there wasn't enough direction, I feel, for his daughter when she was dying because she was dead and then awake again and dead and awake again and dead. And I'm like, okay, are you dead yeah. or are you awake? Yeah, uh, apparently Werner Herzog said he he wanted to make the death scene a little like less cinematic. And so he basically just wanted her to die without feeling pain. So she was awake for the whole thing, apparently. And she's just kind of opening her eyes and looking at her father and looking around and shit. It, it, it's kind of weird. It, it's not mm-hmm. kind of traditional death scene at any Right, but you know, that you get that kind of like connection, like oh well, he's actually kind of sad. He doesn't show it, yeah. but I think he is, you know, that kind of deal. And and then he just starts like a lion in a cage around mm-hmm. his perimeter. Yeah, his his domain. This belongs to him. Nothing else does, and he's pissed now because he can't get out. And yeah, he's by himself, and but he starts he's... pacing just like a lion. And he's got his monkey army, at least his monkey. Me and my monkey army. I am the gorilla king. <laughs> Sorry, who's, with me? who's with me? Who's with me? I'm the king of the howler monkeys. Look <laughs> at my proboscis. It's huge. Yeah. Um, He's a baboon with a big red ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally squeezes the shit out of that monkey. Yeah. Uh, and apparently... And then uh, just throws it down, which is funny. Uh, apparently, you know, uh, Klaus Kinski, who's probably the guy who deserved to be bitten by monkeys, apparently didn't, didn't. get bitten. Bit by one actually, one actually climbed right the hell up and hung out there for a while and climbed back <laughs> down, and that's and then he picked the other one up and literally squeezed the shit right out of it, and then just threw it. But at the same time, I don't remember because again, the first film I watched was Skippy, Skippy, Skip, 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 Repeat, Repeat, yeah. Repeat. I never, I remember seeing the pig. I remember seeing saying someone said, Is, "Does anybody have a knife?" But I don't remember seeing the pig get knifed. I don't remember any monkeys getting their heads bitten off. No, um, I don't remember. I don't. I, I the one guy took a bite out of a fish at one point in time, but other than that, I don't really f- remember any unnecessary animal killings or anything. Yeah, like there, there, there's none of that. I mean, it, it it's it's kind of weird. It, it's almost like the clean <laughs> PG version of like a Cannibal Furox film. I thought it was Cannibal Holocaust uh, made by PETA. Yeah, only the <laughs> only the only the humans suffer because I get. Uh, PETA has this problem where they don't realize that humans are also animals mm-hmm. because they, they're perfectly fine when humans suffer, but just not furry animals. I just, or any kind of animal like, yeah. but humans are animals too, guys. Don't you realize that kind of stupid on your part? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with some of PETA's goals, but they're, they're extremists and they're crazy. Yeah. Well, I like, you know, people eat tasty animals. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm that part. I'm, I'm, uh, that's the Peter I'm in. in that's the yeah. Peter I'm in, baby. Not that. Yeah, well, that this yeah. stuff, baby. We're good for that. Um, right. What'd you think of the music on this? Like, this is uh, Florian Fricky uh, slash Popovu. This was the first collaboration between him and uh, Herzog on a film. Uh, they did the soundtrack for Aguirre eventually after this, uh, although it only included basically like two cuts from the actual film. But to be fair. Uh, it's only six tracks, and they're all, like, fuck, several minutes long. Uh, all the music that you hear on the album, actually, is in this film. And it, it's it's like a combination of Moog, Synthesizer shit, and uh, something they... I guess they developed together, like, the, that that weird chorus that you hear through a lot of them. Yeah. It, it apparently was an instrument that they just kind of built on the spot and made to, to produce mm-hmm. that effect, so... Out of human bones. Yeah, maybe. 
You never, you never Maybe. know with Herzog. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, what, what do you think of the, the music on this? Do you think it was just a- atmosphere, building atmosphere yeah. that just added to the uh, the again oh, the last film we did that we were talking about? It's just atmosphere that builds to the film. It wasn't like a score upon, upon itself. It was an atmosphere, another part of the film for me. Plus the river sounds too. The chorus of the jungle. And the other thing is, just like you're in a real jungle or the real woods, when it's really loud and things are going crazy and then every single creature stops making noise, it gives yeah. you the shivers. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. There's moments here where everything goes dead silent and you can see the fear on the crew's faces. They're scared and looking around. And you know that's those are times where the natives are watching them. Like all mm-hmm. the wildlife goes silent and there's there's people right on the shoreline and you just can't fucking see them and they're mm-hmm. watching you go down the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's almost got that kind of uh, deliverance feel too. Yes. Like that, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That when you feel you're completely alone is when you, most of the eyes are on you, that kind of a thing. It's, it's one of those weird. Um, yeah. It's just creepy. And yeah, it's, yeah, you see that in a lot of the, uh, the North American pioneer films and stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. when like, you know, he's all alone. And the next thing you know, he's surrounded by people. This film, uh, a lot of the stuff you see here shot in this was uh, Francis Ford Coppola actually said, this was a big influence on Apocalypse Now. Uh, right. Sort of the same idea, right? And I mean, this this is very much like a, a Heart of Darkness kind of idea of, you know, going down the river on a quest and just being dehumanized as you go along, you know, just going more and more crazy and everything going out of whack. It's kind of like college. Uh, yeah, c- sort of. Um, <laughs> a little bit more wet. Uh, wet. Less, Ooh, that's a good word. Moist. A lot of less food. <laughs> no, that sounds like college. Yeah, yeah. For, for some, uh, I, I, I don't think they even had Raymond noodles though. For uh, oh, okay, for this, this is not so. like, that's not like college at all. Never mind. Sorry, moist. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk here briefly about uh, the monkeys uh, used in this. To obtain the monkeys used in the uh, climatic sequence. Herzog paid several locals to trap 400 monkeys. He paid them half in advance and was to pay the other half upon receipt. The trappers sold the monkeys to someone in Los Angeles or Miami, and Herzog came to the airport just as the monkeys were being loaded to be shipped out of the country. He pretended to be a veterinarian and claimed that the monkeys needed vaccinations before leaving the country. <laughs> Abash, the handlers, unloaded the monkeys, and Herzog loaded them into his Jeep and drove away, used them in the shot they were required for, and released them afterwards into the jungle. Yeah, and that's how Her- Herzog got herpes. <laughs> he was the I gotta, guy. I, I got to vaccinate you, baby. Just hold that monkey down. Yeah, yeah. Man, that feels good. Uh, and a little little note here on the accuracy of the film. Um, the film's major characters are all uh, based on people from a 1560 ex- expedition to find uh, El Dorado from Peru. There was an expedition of 300 men. They traveled down the Amazon River, <clears throat> but they never, you know, they never found anything. Right. There was another expedition that's also kind of paired into this that that it's based on. Uh, Aguirre was a real person. He he actually did rebel against the Spanish crown. He he basically co-opted one of these expeditions and tried to uh, start a rebellion, but uh, he failed, and his rebellion was put down, and he was drawn and quartered <laughs> for, his, for his trouble. He was determined to uh, conquer Panama 
uh, and and shit like that. But uh, he, he he got fucked. Um, Panama. Yeah, but there was another expedition, and a lot of the stuff that sort of proposed here as like the clergyman's uh, notes. He he was actually the guy who chronicled the earlier expedition. Um, that was definitely looking for El Dorado. It, it was a 1560 expedition merged with a 1541 and 1542 uh, expedition, basically. But, you know, it, it's fictional, but they, they bring a lot of real-life uh, characters into it and just sort of uh, fictionalize the whole thing. And I think it works. I mean... No, it does. It does work. And it's so it's so ancient history that, you know, you have a little bit of a literary license. I mean, as long yeah. as you don't do anything too far-fetched. It, it it feels realistic, even though like Herzog said he didn't do a lot of research into like the reality of that time or anything like that. Or, or he was fact. too busy having people puke on him. <laughs> Go to uh, DVD info for this one. The one I own is the Anchor Bay DVD from two thousand. I don't know how readily available that one is anymore, but. You could go to uh, the Shout Factory Blu-ray that was released in 2015. Uh, Shout Factory TV, the website, has this on there streaming in English, if you so desire. And you can also get it on Amazon Video for super fucking cheap. And then there's some crappy, uh, like, Put Locker versions out there and YouTube versions out there as well, if you want to uh, dive into those ones. Uh, budget for this one was $370,000. A third of that was Kinski's salary. Mm. Uh, yeah, so th- this was this was super low budget. Again, like I said, they went down the fucking river and basically shot this film in a linear fashion. So the journey you see in this film is essentially the journey that the film crew took as, as they were going down. Like all the hardships and shit that the characters face in this are basically the hardships that they faced going down the river because like for a lot of a lot of the production the actual people filming this were starving and suffering the same conditions that uh these conquistadors would have faced i mean you know it's not quite exactly the same 100 percent, but it is fairly close i mean uh the cost the costumes you see these people wearing the conquistadors all those armor pieces were authentic armor pieces they sourced from Spain. So, you know, it wasn't like fake chainmail and shit they were wearing. They were actually wearing legit shit. Yeah, very heavy stuff scaling a wet mountain. Mm-hmm. And sweating yep. their asses off, you know. And the other thing is I noticed uh, they spent many days and nights, obviously, in, in the film and in real life. But yet you don't get really any night shots. Um, yeah. the, my theory of that would be it's so goddamn dark and the budget oh, yeah. is so low that you couldn't really light the seed properly. And the other thing mm-hmm. about the Amazon that I do know from just watching other people that have been in there is it so the bugs get even louder at night where it's mm-hmm. so almost deafeningly loud. You probably couldn't hear any vocals if you wanted to anyway. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. They, they didn't have the money for lighting and the bug, the bugs definitely were a problem uh, on the commentary. Herzog talks about how like the bugs were bad, like super bad. Like and if you, if you watch the film closely, you see, there's always bugs in the background and the foreground, like just going by and shit like that. And it's swarming around them. These guys were all just sweating and dirty and filthy as fuck filming this thing and going down the river. So mm-hmm. yeah, but they were and the, and the both girls were in full dress, Spanish mm-hmm. dresses and stuff. But and at the same cute. time, I'd clean them up with my tongue. Oh yeah. They, they, yeah. they were looking proper. Like the way he, the way he shoots people in this, a lot of times they're all standing still. Like it's almost like a picture. 
you know, like almost like a painting, like the way he shoots people like standing in this, like they're standing very still and saying their dialogue. And, and then the jungle itself feels like a character. The way the jungle kind of invades into people's space, the way it moves behind them, and it feels much more like a, a kind of character. Like there, there's shots in this that they used that were just incidents that happened that they hadn't planned, and they just incorporated it into the script. Like there's that one scene where the raft veers off to the side and it hits a bunch of low-hanging trees and they're like, clear the trees, get the fucking raft back in the middle of the river. That was all legit. Like that actually happened and they just kind of planned a scene around that spontaneously. They just did that. The scene where they wake up one day and their the rafts are all gone, that was developed around the fact that the river uh, rose overnight and wrecked their rafts that they built and they had to rebuild their rafts. Right. So, I mean, it, it was very much a low-budget, do-it-yourself fucking production. And I think we'll do Fitz Colorado at some point as well and talk about that. Uh, because very similar circumstances where they just, the elements were against them. But Herzog was determined to do everything kind of organically and film organically and do everything that the characters would do if the, you know, that they're depicting in the story. So, uh just you know, kudos to him. Like he 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 is like as much as people say Kinski's a fucking crazy person, Herzog's fucking nuts. Like he he's absolutely fucking crazy. No, most filmmakers wouldn't do this shit. Yeah, well, I, I think that's why they get along like bread and butter. Because the thing is, if he didn't have all that, the other well, I was gonna say the other thing is he's already implemented you know got his his shit together because they lived together for a little bit. They they worked together mm-hmm. before, not not professionally but personally. So he already knew him Mm -hmm. and i don't think i don't think fresh out a fresh melon would have been able to to work with kinski like that yeah and if he did it would have been like okay we're getting this film done i'm never working with him again like a normal person would be like no 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 this they're both nuts so they made five films together Yeah, and I mean, even then, fucking, uh, the rumors coming out of this one, you know, that like they spiraled into like urban myths and stuff like that about how uh, he had to hold a gun on Kinski and stuff to get mm-hmm. him to perform. Um, that didn't happen, but uh, Herzog to this day talks about how he threatened Kinski with a gun. Like he said, if you don't stay on this production, I will bring the, a gun out of my tent and basically shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> like he he legit said that that he would do that, and apparently that calmed Kinski down for like ten days or something like that in the production. And I remember seeing a live shooting of uh, like behind the scenes of them of him just having a freak out at her. At her mm-hmm. he's like, he, and basically he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, whatever, whatever. Do your thing, do your thing. Yeah. He's just like you know, and, like, and the phone is shit, and fuck you, and I hate this, and they all yeah. pieces of shit. That, that was him. That was you. yeah. That was him calming him down. Like that was that was Herzog basically letting Kinski burn himself out to the point where he's so tired he just gave his performance and then moved on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, so, okay. Well, one one crazy person using another crazy person to make beautiful art. That's this basically. To make beautiful art. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't know that. And so, like, what you were saying about the things, I'm like, okay, that's why he was going, okay, yeah, yeah, big boy, whatever, fuck you. Like, yeah, okay, yep, yep, yell some more. And then, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, the food is shit. I fucking yeah. hate this. And, like, and he's, like, pointing at me, and you're an asshole, and fuck you. And I hate all of you. And it's like, oh, my God, you're just a ray of sunshine, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Kinski was notorious for dominating. <laughs> Most of the people there didn't have a trailer, maybe didn't eat. 
and he's bitching that his trailer's too this and the food is shit and mm-hmm. fucking like uh, okay. Kitsky had mineral water motorboated in for him. Everyone else yeah. was drinking water from the Amazon. Ugh. <laughs> so there you go. But yeah, um, I mean, my overall impression here, uh, it feels weird to say because this is one of my favorite movies of all time and I would recommend it, but I necessarily wouldn't recommend it to everybody. It, it's right. I mean, if you're looking for a slower, more meditative kind of art film kind of thing. Like yeah, it, I was going to say really art to, would be the word. Yeah, if, if you're trying to get into that, then I highly recommend this. I, I wouldn't like just tell someone who all they've ever watched is the Ghostbuster movies or something like that. Right. Here, here jump into this because uh, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to like it. You know, if, if, you, if oh. you're just into sort of mainstream movies, you're probably not going to like it. But did you, did you like Deadpool? Check this out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're gonna do it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's actually one of the best made independent low budget movies I've ever seen. And I mean, it's it's highly influential. Influential. It's it's moody, atmospheric. It's really great. If you're looking to get into just more interesting movies, like visually and thematically, this is one I would highly recommend. And um, that's kind of where I sit on this one. Absolutely. I would have to ditto that one. Yeah. Uh, So next week potentially will be Southern Comfort from Walter Hill from 1981. Going to try to arrange to uh, get some uh, guests on that one as well. Uh, Gary Hill uh, wanted to do that, and I think he's trying to get his co-host Jeffrey X. Martin as well from Cinema Beef. Uh, so we we might have in, we might end up having a big fucking panel of people talking about Southern Comfort next week. Um, don't hold us on that one. We'll we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm trying to arrange the details for that one, so we'll find out. But um, until then, Paul, tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. Go check me out at uh, PA Brew News YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Oil Paintings by Paul Romali on RP Romali on Facebook. <laughs> All right, cool. And you can find us, of course, on tmbdos.podbean.com. That's the best place to find all of our stuff. You can find our YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook links. Join our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. Best place to get in touch with us, find out what's coming up on the podcast. Uh, Leave your comments and questions there, all your suggestions, movie requests, and stuff like that. We're trying to fulfill that stuff, movie requests. Uh, We're trying to do two of those uh, this month. We've already knocked one off. Aguirre was requested. We're hoping to do the last wave as well uh, sometime this month and uh, get that one knocked off as well. So, um, you know, we we want more interaction from the people listening because uh, a lot of people do listen to us and we appreciate uh, everyone's support. So, And a lot you know, more insults. A lot go. more. In- well, I mean, yeah. You want to tell us to go fuck ourselves. Please do. Yeah, well, we'll take that shit. Mm-hmm. We'll run with it, and, and we will fuck ourselves. Yes. Well, I'm going to do it oh, right after this. Over and over again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, daddy. Yeah. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you very much, Paul, for uh, joining me. Oh, thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back when we are back. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>